on mypodcasthouse.com, you're listening to On The Grid with Tony Shebeki. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on my podcasthouse.com, our final episode for 2018, and what an episode it's going to be. Very shortly, we're going to be joined by Virgin Australia Supercar Champion Scott McLaughlin, who wrapped up the 2018 Championship on the streets of Newcastle on the weekend. What an exciting weekend of racing. We'll chat to Richard Crail and talk about all that as well. There were so many different things that could have gone wrong, and for some, did. We'll also catch up with Steve Munro to have a chat about the uh, Australian Supercross, which went over to Auckland for the weekend as well. All that to come right here on The Grid. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right, great pleasure in saying good day to this bloke. He joins us after a championship win yesterday in the Virgin Australia Supercars. His name's Scott McLaughlin, and here he is now. Good day, Scotty. How are you? Hey, Tony. How are you, mate? I'm fantastic. The obvious question: How are you? Was it a big night? Yeah, it certainly was a big night. I was on the waters pretty early because I know I was, uh, you know, got a big, big, uh, big day ahead of me. But um, yeah, look, amazing. Just to, just to let the hair down, and it was just you know for everyone, not a, not. Myself, not only myself, but for the whole team, we just, you know, it was just a whole huge amount of stress just off our shoulders and so proud of everyone. I want to talk to you about that stress. So I, I think I know you fairly well. I've known you for a few years now and just watching you over the weekend and the way you were handling things, you handled them really well and I'll give you that, but you could tell that there was that underlying nervousness about you around the whole weekend. Was that correct? Yeah. Yeah, look, oh, you know, I was... Uh, I was a bit of a wreck before yesterday's race, actually. Um, quite, you know, anxious, and but I knew as soon as I got in the car, I'd be alright. And it's because it's like it's like my happy place in some ways. And um, yeah, certainly, just just yeah, I just got out of the car and we're away. Take us through the the weekend. You arrive on early in the week. You sort of land at Newcastle and. All of a sudden, memories, do they start coming back about what happened last year? Do you start reminding yourself of that, or do you just get straight into business? No, look, I was pretty good all, all week, but Sunday was probably the day where I started having a bit of deja vu and thinking about a few things here and there. And Yeah, it got a bit nerve-wracking, but I, you know, I've had a really good support base behind me, and I've worked hard behind the scenes to be a stronger driver mentally, physically, all that sort of stuff, so I felt like I could combat that, and I feel like... On Friday, it was a pretty good day for you. You topped the timesheets through practice. Uh, we spoke about it in the press conference, the fact that Van Gisbergen was 7th or 8th and point three off you and whether you, he was actually foxing a little bit or whether that was the package that they had. Did you go into Friday night thinking, yeah, hang on, this is not too bad? Yeah, look, it was always going to be a little bit of a... Um, how do you say it? Like a... Oh, I don't know, uh, a, a bit of a wild card because Triple Eight have been very fast around the street circuits and, and all that sort of stuff. So for me, you know, to roll out there and be fastest was like, all right, well, yeah, like you said, we've got something to fight with. But we, we were quietly confident we'd be okay, we'd be making some gains. But when once we got um, on track, Friday was good, Saturday was okay. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a, you know, unreal to come with a car out of the truck basically and be there, there or thereabouts. Love to talk to you about the emotions of Saturday. Uh, what an amazing day it was. Uh, probably one of the most stressful days, I'd reckon, you've had sitting in, in the uh, driver's seat of a car, not knowing exactly where you're at with that fuel load and then running out basically right at the end. 
the disappointment of, I suppose, losing the race, but knowing you're still in the championship, you lead by two points, and then to be told the next morning that all of a sudden Shane's been dropped back to fifth. Take us through the different emotions of that 12-hour period. Yeah, it certainly was a, a weird thing. Um, you know, we, we were obviously running the gauntlet pretty hard there with the fuel um, to get home. Uh, we thought we were a bit safer than we thought, but um, anyway, it, it, it leaves the brakes. But yeah, look, obviously the, the penalty for Shane, um, again, rules are rules, and you know, that, that that's for Supercars decided that that was the case, um, that they needed the penalty, but that never changed what we needed to do. It was nice that we got the win. Fantastic, to be honest with you, for our thing, but... Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was unreal. For you, though, on Sunday morning, come around about 9.30 when that decision was made, 10 o'clock, whatever time that was, was there just a little bit of a sigh of a relief knowing that you had a few spots that you could play with? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I knew that we were there, thereabouts, everywhere, and to, to have a, a good day, I knew that we, we had something to play with, for sure. We were quite fast and all that, and um, it was just it was, it was pretty cool. It's been an amazing year for you. It started off pretty well. You led the championship right through from Phillip Island through to Talon Bend. So race nine to race 23, that's a, a fairly long stint of 14 races. But then all of a sudden, the wheels falling off isn't right, but you just seem to lose some pace through that endurance section. So through Sydney, right through until Bathurst, things just didn't seem to go right for you, but they definitely went right for, for Shane. Yeah, for sure. And we've looked back on that as a squad, um, it, you know, in some ways, it was probably a blessing in disguise that we lost a little bit of momentum, momentum earlier than later. Um, you know, we picked it up after Sandown. Obviously, it was a bit of a kick up the backside for us for how, you know, how much we got smoked, basically. Um, then we come back and, and Bathurst was a podium. You know, Gold Coast was very solid. We got the championship lead back and then we just kept pressing on. And, you know, look, we, we just dug deep as a team and definitely was a bit of a wake-up call. The podium at Bathurst, was that the, the sort of, at the moment, at that time, did you think, hang on, we can actually do this from here now? This is, we've turned the corner? Look, I never gave up. I just knew that if we put pressure on them like we did at Bathurst, we were all over them and whatever. Um, you know, we could make them make mistakes and, or at least try to make them make mistakes or whatever. Um, they had a faster car. I felt like they had a faster car all year, but, you know, we, you know, we just put the pressure on them at the right times. So an aggressive strategy, I felt like, were the best strategies in the pit lane on the on all year, and and you know, we we picked them up one at a time. How much of a uh, how much of a, a difference did having your mate Alex Premate in there with you for a, a couple of races? Does that sort of change your mindset altogether? Yeah, it's just because I know he's been in this position before. You know, same won a championship with him. Um, you know, it's very. He's very experienced. He knows what he's doing. Um, you know, he's done a lot more racing than me. He's raced Formula One. I can I always learn a lot off him. Um, and yeah, it was it was so cool to have him alongside me. And and, and adding to that, we're friends, and it was very special. How cool was it to have Tim Sendrick, Roger Penske, Dick Johnson all in the garage yesterday to celebrate that victory with you? There's some big heavyweight names in motor racing. Yeah, it was cool. Obviously, there's a fair bit of pressure there, but they trust you and trust me and my my ability and. That's why they've hired myself and Fabian to do the job for them. And, and um, you've just got to just back yourself to the tilt and, and um, shut all that stuff aside. But something very special to have them in town, and especially Roger, you know, to add another another championship to his year, um, add another championship to DJR's legacy. Oh, it was very cool.
it's quite amazing. We know that Rogers likes to sort of stay in the background a little bit, especially on race day, and let things happen. But it was quite interesting to see Roger get out of his seat at that point that Dave Reynolds was really pushing you towards the end and actually go up to the engineers and say, guys, that's enough. Let him pass. Yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. I, I actually haven't seen that, but I've only heard it from various people in the media. So I'm, I'm still looking to get, get back um, and look at it. But, um, yeah, look, he's the captain. You yeah. know, he leads the ship. And if, he's, if he says back off, that's, we, we do it. <laughs> I thought one of the more amazing stats on the weekend, Scott, was the fact that it is the 17th title won by a Falcon chassis. And to do it in the car carrying, of course, the famous number 17, the last win for a Falcon in supercars is quite amazing. Yeah, it's unreal. Pretty surreal, really. Um, it, you know, to, to, to do that in the Falcon, the final Falcon um, championship win, um, you know, before it bows out, obviously the Mustang's very excited for all, all of us at Ford. Um, but you know, like, look, we're very excited to get the 17th championship win in car 17. And, um, you know, I think that's why it was so emotional for DJ. A final one for you, mate. Uh, Craig Lowndes retires yesterday. Scott McLaughlin has been for a while, but now all of a sudden takes over the crown, I think, of People's Championship. Does that, uh, People's Champion, does that sit with you well? <laughs> Oh, yeah, look, I think you know, I've just tried to base myself off. Lounsey is an absolute, um, you know, a, a, a testament to who he is as a person, as, as how he is portrayed. And, um, you know, I'm very, very uh, proud to have raced him. I've been around when he was in the sport. He's an absolute legend. And, you know, if I can be the same person, uh, half, the, half the person he is, um, you know, I'm doing all right. So... I'll just keep signing signatures, and if they call me the People's Champ because I'm doing that, I'm very proud. <laughs> Scotty, we are also proud of you, mate. It's been a fantastic run for you. Great to see you've capped it off with the championship. Hopefully, the first of many to come. Enjoy the next few days and all the spoils that it brings, and look forward to catching up with you again in 2019. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. Scott McLaughlin joining us here on the grid. This is on the grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, joining us for a chat about the weekend is our old mate Richard Crail. Crazy, what a fantastic weekend up in Newcastle. Good day to you. Hello, mate. Yeah, it was a remarkable weekend, one that we'll remember for a very long time, much in the same way we remember last year's Newcastle 500 with, uh, with fond memories or crazy memories as it was. Um, incredible event. It's established itself in two years as being just the ultimate place for a finale for our championship with massive crowds, very passionate engaged and enthusiastic crowds and um, a couple of really compelling motor races to, to throw into the mix. Yeah, we went there uh, on at the start of the weekend not knowing exactly what we were going to get. Uh, we sort of had a feeling that we'd get a crazy weekend and something would happen. And something did happen, uh, but not for the champions, Scott McLaughlin. It happened for him in all the right reasons. Unfortunately for Triple Eight, though, they received the good fortune last year. This year, it wasn't theirs. Yeah, look, it, it kind of feels like it was just the rub of the green going the way of Cell V Power Racing, doesn't it? After the controversies and the near penalties this year, um, the, the Saturday debacle, as it probably was, um, sort of leveled the playing field, really, didn't it? It was sort of one back that way, and it was like the world trying to balance itself out. So, um, yeah, that, that was really interesting. Yeah, the, the best thing about it was, was that with everything that went on Saturday night and Sunday morning, Scott won it on Sunday. He didn't win the race. He could have, but didn't, didn't need to in the end, because, um, if it had gone down to that fight, he'd been Gisbergen. 
excuse me, hadn't have been penalised on Saturday night, then Scotty seemed to have all the answers on Sunday anyway. So, you know, he, he won that thing on merit and uh, did an outstanding job for it as well. So yeah, it was it was an outstanding finale. And in the end, we, we got just the most deserving champion the sport's had in a long time. A- outstanding ambassador for the sport. And, and both he and that team are going to be very, very good ambassadors for Supercars Championship and Aussie Motorsport as a whole. Going to hear from Scotty McLaughlin shortly. Uh, I've got a, an interview booked with him in a sec. But uh, before that, uh, take us through the Scott McLaughlin story. It's a pretty amazing one. And a good mate of ours, Brett Murray, I, uh, I know had a lot to do with it early days. And fortunately for Brett, the only payment he wanted at the time was Scott McLaughlin's championship winning helmet. And he finally got yeah, that. Crusher was there to collect that on, on Sunday afternoon, as he, as he would be. But which is fantastic stuff, and, and that's a, a huge testament to those guys and that relationship they've had. But I, I think that sums up Scott McLaughlin, doesn't it, in that he's just an honest, down-to-earth Kiwi kid who just wants to go car racing and wants to go car racing successfully and enjoy it. And um, he made that very big decision a couple of years ago to leave the comfortable surrounds of Gary Rogers Motorsport. Uh, his, that great relationship he had with, with Richard Holloway, Krusty, his engineer, um, to leave those surrounds and take what at the time seemed like a calculated risk, but still a risk nonetheless that you'd leave a competitive environment and go to a team that was on the up, but with no firm timeline as to when they would be in championship contention. Obviously, they were going to be with Roger Penske pulling the strings, but um, you never really knew when that was all going to come to fruition. So the fact that you know he made that move to Penske and, and jumped over to Ford as well, which was a big thing, um, and it's obviously all paid off. Um, just, just a really smart career move. But what the best thing about it is that it hasn't changed Scott McLaughlin. He's still the same kid that we saw in Volvo. He's he's relaxed a little bit. He's probably a little bit more mellow. Probably not quite so out there like he was. And, and with that boyish enthusiasm that he had when he he did the the jam maneuver with Jamie in the streets of Adelaide a couple of years ago, but. Um, but that comes with age and experience and being more battle-hardened, and that's certainly what he is now. It was an interesting uh, move from Roger Penske, and normally a guy that uh, is quiet and just sits in the background and lets the team run the ship, but uh, it was quite interesting to see him jump out of that seat when Dave Reynolds was challenging towards the end of the Sunday race and actually tap the boys on the shoulder and say, guys, that's enough, let him pass. Yeah, and but... but got to remember, Roger still calls IndyCar races. He sits on the timing yep. stand, and this year was on the radio to Will Power when Will won the Indianapolis 500. So he's still as switched on as anybody when it comes to the racing game. There's no doubt that, that Ryan Story and Ludo were very much on top of that and would have communicated that to Scotty anyway. But um, it's cool to see Roger <laughs> in the mix, full stop, just there making, you know, getting involved in the way that team's running. It's got his name on it, um, so he's got every right to... To have an involvement, obviously, he's paying the bills. So, um, yeah, that's very, very cool. Well, I mean, what a great result, though, for for Roger. And just let's touch on that story because, um, you know, five years ago, that team was all but dead. They yeah. were absolutely a basket case. Struggled to get cars on the grid at the Adelaide 500. Um, it's been turned around. Roger came to Australia as the preeminent name in motorsport globally, irrespective of what part of the world you're from. And... Um, he insisted that the DJR part of that brand came first before the Penske, which I think is an enormous 
um, sign of respect to the legend that Dick Johnson is and, and what that family had achieved over 35-plus years in the sport. Yep. So um, it's a remarkable story, and he's invested. He's got the right drivers, the right brains, poached Ludo from Triple built a very good team, got great commercial backing, and um, they've been rewarded now with a championship that, that's one of the most impressive stories in Australian motor racing. It's certainly one of the, the biggest rebounds from a racing team that, you know, half a decade ago was was tearing itself apart when James Courtney was in the throes of leaving, having won the 2010 title. And on the other side of the, the owner names is Dick Johnson, of course, Roger Penske and Dick Johnson there as well. And Dick Johnson would have been well within his rights to think five years ago that that was pretty much his time done and dusted in supercars. But what a day it was for him on the weekend. Not only does his uh, prize number 17 get up with Scott McLaughlin and his main charge, but also then his son, Steve Johnson, gets up uh, and wins the championship in the Touring Car Masters also with the number 17 on the day that the Falcon wins its 17th championship. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and Scott had won 17 races this year as well from memory. So um, it was all all coming up 17 yesterday. Yeah, the, the, the Stephen thing was, was great. And I spoke to Steve on Sunday night at the, the TCM interview dinner, which Dick and Jill were at as well, and, and that family just so passionate about the sport. Um, and Stevie said, not, it wasn't tainted, it's not the right word to use, but last year's championship was slightly awkward because of what happened to Scotty in the championship last year and that they they didn't close the deal while Steve won. Yep. Um, so the fact that they were able to do that today, Steve won the championship first, then Scott went on and closed it out. Just an amazing day for the Johnson family. Probably the best in their racing history, you'd have to say. And Dick said after the race, it felt like 1981 when he won the A26C all over again. So... Um, yeah, phenomenal story and someone will write a book about what happened this year one day or over the last 18 months and um, it's going to be a pretty amazing story. No, there's no doubt about it. Uh, while we're talking about championships, uh, we should say congratulations also to Chris Pither who uh, won the Super 2 Series uh, on mm. the weekend as well. Yeah, Chris is a, a terrific guy, lovely bloke. Big weekend for the Kiwis, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, um, they've won everything in the sport this year, just dominating um, he's a lovely guy, um, just one of those perennial drivers that's always there or thereabouts. <laughs> really safe pair of hands in the endurance season. Um, and a lovely bloke as well, just really nice, affable human being who is very passionate about his car racing. So great result. The first championship at Gary Rogers Motorsport in like four decades. Wow. So that's a huge story, and we shouldn't underestimate that, that one legend of the sport won in the main game, uh, well, two of them really, and then... Uh, Gary Rogers got himself a championship as well, which is fantastic. Uh, just before we look on to a couple of other matters, a, a final one on supercars. Uh, 2018 done and dusted. We look forward now to 2019, which effectively is only really three months away when we kick off in the Adelaide 500. How much is the series going to change next year with the driver changes we've had, with the, the car changes, obviously, with the Mustang? Are, are we going to have as exciting a series as we had this year? Oh, yeah, I... I it's hard to say it not being that competitive. And I think that's the beauty of what we've got now is that this, this triple eight cell V power rivalry is something that is going to build and evolve and continue to, to grow in tension and grow in drama as the years go on, I think, because certainly the Red Bull team's not going to become any less competitive. And if anything, the four teams are going to be better with their new rig next year with the Mustang coming in. So, that's a huge bonus for the championship. It, it's something, though, of a bit of a reset, though, isn't it? Falcon goes. Um, you know, this is the first year of the ZB Commodore. Nissan's out of the sport, though those cars will remain 
in the championship. Um, the first full-time year since 1996 or 97, I should say, without Craig Lowndes behind mm-hmm. the wheel of a supercar. So, you know, that's a lot of people's lifespan. You know, they've just seen Craig Lowndes in one of these cars and he's not going to be there next year. So not full-time. Um, so that's a, that's a big change. That's going to be very, very different. But I think it's in a pretty good place, Shebex. There's so much star power in this championship and, you know, your win cups and Vancouver's Bergen's are great, but the emergence of Davey Reynolds and Erebus yeah. this year, you'd expect them to continue to build. Um, the investment and development <laughs> going on at Walkinshaw and Dreddy United, hopefully we'll see that team better um, and, and Courtney and Pye can be competitive more times, more often. And then Dickford Racing, who have had a shocking year, but still managed to jag a win on the Gold Coast with Chazzy Moss. They get a reboot. We don't know who's going to be driving with them, but they get a Mustang and they'll get some new drivers and, and hopefully recharge and rearm and maybe they could go back to being the competitive force they were in, you know, 2012, 13, 14, which is, which would be very, very cool. So I think it's in good shape, mate. There's obviously some challenges. Um, we could dedicate an entire show to the fact that they probably need to give the rule book a, another uh, tune up after some of the debacles in the last, uh, six weeks because that whole grey area and interpreting the rules and putting a judgment on that, I think, has caused more headaches than it needed to in the last couple of months yep. at, at Bathurst and Pukekohe and from there. But um, but outside of that, mate, the, the racing product is as good as anything in the world. I'm convinced of that, and that's not just Aussie parochialism. No, you're right. I, I think it is world-class. The level of competition is as high as it gets, and I would comfortably throw any one of the top... 12 or 15 drivers in our field against anyone else anywhere in the world and back them to do the job. The same can be said for the teams involved. So I think what we've got is great. Yes, there's some challenges, no doubt. There's there's a sponsorship market that's not very good at the moment and there's some teams hurting and we'll see a few less cars in the grid next year as a result of that. But on the at the pointy end of the grid, this championship battle, I think, is the taste of what we're going to have for, I don't know, the next five years, if not more. Yeah, no, you're spot on, mate. Before I let you go, we got to mention uh, Jackson Evans, 2018 Porsche Wilson Security Career Cup Australia champion, who has now been made the Porsche uh, junior for the, the drive in the uh, Super Cup next year. Just an amazing effort for such a great young kid. Well, we spoke about supercars being world-class. Career Cup Australia is the best Career Cup championship in the world. I don't think there's any doubt about that now. Um, two drivers in the last three years have won Career Cup and then go on to win the Porsche Junior Shootout. So Jackson will be in the Mobile One Super Cup next year. Dylan O'Keefe hoping to still be there, even though he didn't get across the line, and we should acknowledge his efforts in the championship. We've had him on the show before. He's a great young guy and representative of the sport. But for Jackson, third-generation Kiwi driver who's been around for a while, and he's a fast, fast guy. He's, he's going to make the world stand up and notice in exactly the same way that Matt Campbell did. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see Jackson in a factory Porsche at some point in the near future. But it shows how competitive Crack Up Aussies. And um won't say too much to Bex, but there's some names coming back into that championship next year and some new names coming up that are going to make 2019 even more competitive. So... Um, there's going to be 30 car fields in Career Cup Oz. It's, it's going to be a phenomenal championship. Certainly is, mate. Been an absolute pleasure working with you again throughout 2018. Had a lot of fun doing it on so many different levels. Look forward to us uh, joining forces again in 2019 and enjoy the summer break, my friend. Looking forward to it, sitting on the couch watching some cricket and then we'll do it all again from February with the Liquor Molly Masses 12 hours. Should be good. Good on you, mate. Thanks, Carsey.
Cheers. Richard Crowell joining us here on The Grid. Joining us to talk about the uh, SX Open over in Auckland this weekend is Steve Munro. Good day, Steve. How are you? Mate, I'm not too bad. And, uh, just yeah, just coming off a very exciting weekend, mate. That's for sure. Uh, first of all, are you waterlogged? Oh, look, yeah. There's a, there's a fair bit of mud to be cleaned off uh, a lot of bikes and a lot of gear and a lot of clothing, mate. Because uh, yeah, the weather certainly uh, threw a real curveball into the organisers. We. Uh, we had track build delayed by a day and a half uh, because they basically could not just get the, uh, the dirt into the venue, uh, couldn't uh, spread it around the track as they need to. So at that point, uh, they got close to pulling the pin because they didn't think they were going to get track build done. But uh, the guys from ProTrack that came over from Australia basically pulled two all-nighters back-to-back uh, to get that track up and running. But what facilitated that was two awesome days of fantastic sunny weather uh, preceding the event. Um, but what they did know, uh, due to their meteorologists that they had hired for the event, was that uh, a very big front was going to come through on the Friday night before the event. And come and come through it did, mate. Um, the track got hit with yeah. a lot of water, um, but they covered the entire track with plastic, um, which is something they do in the outdoor stadiums in the States. Um, so they uh, took that, uh, that experience uh, over to New Zealand and uh, yeah, did that there. But unfortunately, it didn't stop a lot of the water getting in underneath uh, the low-lying areas, and uh, the guys really had their work cut out for them to get that track up and running for the Saturday night. But amazingly, with a lot of pumps um, and actually damming up some of the water um, in areas of the track that weren't going to be used, uh, mate, they got it operational for the main show on Saturday night. It was an amazing job to, to get that event happening. Absolutely amazing. We are talking about Mount Smart Stadium in New Zealand, Auckland, and it was round two of the Oceania Supercross Championship. Uh, tell us about the international riders that were in attendance. Yeah, so as you know, um, the guys bring a lot of riders over from uh, America for the uh, Sydney leg of that uh, Oceania Championship. Um, not all of them hang around, so it's a bit of a, an interesting one. It's a bit of a revolving door of international riders, but uh, we still have massive names. Chad Reed, of course, who supports um, our Australian Supercross team, comes back every year for the AusX Open. He also made the journey over to New Zealand. Justin Brayton, who, mate, he has racked up some frequent fly miles. He did uh, the Australian Supercross series. He took off back home with his family. He then went to Paris and did the Paris Supercross. He then went back home again and then just came back out to do New Zealand before heading off to Geneva uh, to do a Supercross there next weekend. So he's a busy boy, but he was there. Uh, Dean Wilson stayed out in Australia, which was awesome, and Dakota Alex too um, in the 250 class. But we also had the addition of Christian Craig uh, riding for Geico Honda, and Josh Hansen came out as well. Uh, Our good friend Ronnie Mack, uh, he stayed out and uh, made a menace of himself uh, around New Zealand. And uh, and then we had one of uh, New Zealand's favourite sons come out of retirement, actually to race against Ronnie Mack in the um, Anzac versus Internationals race, uh, a bit like what they did in Sydney. Uh, but Ben Townley came out through a leg over a bike, so uh, a lot of excited New Zealanders uh, to see him back out on track. I reckon there would have been two. What classes did we have run on the weekend? Uh, so we had, uh, we, all, we had the little kids out. Um, we had the, the KTM Challenge, those kids went out, but uh, we had a bit 
bit of a reduced program, not only because of the weather, but just because um, Supercross in New Zealand uh, doesn't enjoy uh, the, I guess, the exposure popularity of series like the Australian does. So they're not spoiled for choice when it comes to riders who can actually ride Supercross. Um, riding Supercross is a very different proposition to riding motocross because it's very technical, very um, rhythm-based. You need to know your spacings between jumps. Uh, Supercross tracks are built to certain specifications so riders know the distances they need to jump to make the jumps. Um, and, yeah, not a lot of experience riders in Supercross in New Zealand. So we did have an SX2 class, the 250s, um, but they only uh, just had the one uh, main event. They had a practice, a heat, and one main event. Um, but the night was dominated by uh, the 450s, the SX1s. Um, they had a practice, um, one heat, um, and then they went into a Super Pole. And in the Super Pole, that's where the top eight-time riders from um, the heat, or the top eight riders, then just raced off the quickest, quickest lap times. Um, so that makes for some really exciting uh, lap times. Unfortunately, Dan Ridd, who did that very well in Sydney, um, coming across the finish line, his brake lever on his right foot caught um, what's called a tough block, one of the um, boxes you see covering the side of the track. It actually pulled his brake on as he went over the finish line jump, and he cased very, very heavily into the up face of the jump. Yeah, uh, so uh, he, he was assisted from the track, and uh, we'll be watching social media to see... Uh, yeah, where he finished up with that injury, but it didn't look, didn't look too good for him. But uh, and then we had the triple crown format for the 450s to uh, finish off the night. So a slightly reduced um, format for the night just because they were working so hard to get that track up to speed to actually make the night happen. But, mate, in the end, a uh, supercross star of New Zealand crowd of uh, some 22,000 people were incredibly appreciative that their, their night went ahead and the weather held out beautifully for the whole night. So it was, yeah, a fantastic event. That is fantastic. Who are the winners on the night, mate? Mate, Chad Reed. Now, you know he had uh, not quite the night that he would have liked in Sydney. Well, he managed to uh, he managed to clean, clean sweep clean sweeps this one. Um, he uh, he won all the main events, so a much, much better result for him. So um, Now, of course, this being the second leg of the Oceania Championship, um, and some riders coming and going, um, one, of course, being um, uh, our winner uh, last year. Uh, sorry, last week. Um, he's not. He didn't come over to um, New Zealand, so uh, we basically had Chad left to his own devices, uh, and he took that out in a clean sweep. So, for the results for the uh, just this round, Chad Reed took that out. Now Hayden Melros actually stepped up from the two fifties into four fifties and came in second, uh, beating Dean Wilson. So, an amazing uh, effort from him. And a number of those number of those two fifty riders did that because the. Um, Premier class was going to be that 450 race, so a number of Australian 250 riders stepped up. Um, Dean Wilson came in third, uh, followed by Christian Craig, Justin Brayton, uh, and then uh, through the uh, 15th spots from there. So that uh, the Oceania Championship left uh, Chad Reed taking that uh, two series Oceania Championship out, which was uh, super exciting for him. Followed by Dean Wilson. Uh, and Justin Brayton third. But, uh, yeah, even Jason Anderson uh, took out the uh, Ozex Open. Uh, he managed to come in fifth um, despite not racing in New Zealand at all. So, um, yeah, so an exciting uh, exciting Oceania Championship and hopefully the start, start of, uh, of things to come. Dakota Alex uh, took out the 250s, uh, followed by Ryan Marmont, and then uh, a raft of um, New Zealand Supercross riders, who I'm sure were very, very excited to have the opportunity to race some Supercross in front of, in front of the home crowd. Uh, what's next on the calendar for Supercross fans, mate? 
So, uh, yeah, next week, uh, as I said before, Justin Brayton jumps on a plane and heads straight to Geneva. So we've got the Geneva Supercross, and that pretty much rounds out the International um, Supercross uh, calendar, which is a hectic little um, international calendar. As I said before, we had uh, the AusX uh, uh, Open in Paris, um, back to New Zealand, off to Geneva, and we also had the German um, ADAC um, series uh, tucked in there somewhere too. So uh, quite a internationally busy finish to the year and a lot of these international riders do hop between all these events uh, promoters bring them in um, and they also use it as um, great off-season training to um, stay on top of things um, unfortunately in a little bit of news um, Western Pike uh, who rides for JGR Suzuki uh, crashed in Paris and had a bike land on his head um, oh, he had to be in, put in an induced coma um, and uh, he's got a, a long road recovery ahead um, the rumour is uh, Chad had been riding for JGR and he rode for them on a Suzuki um, both in uh, Sydney and New Zealand. Uh, and it looks like he might possibly step into that ride. So nothing okay. confirmed 100% yet, but that's the word. So, yeah, look, all the best to Western Pike. It uh, looks like Chad might be the beneficiary of what's a, a not very nice situation. So uh, that series uh, in America, the AMA Supercross, kicks off in Anaheim on the 5th of January. And uh, yeah, we've already seen on social media, someone put up uh, last night, seven Fridays till Anaheim won. So uh, Supercross fans are, are already uh, champing at the bit to get uh, next year underway. Fantastic stuff. Always great to have you on board, Steve. Our last show for the year, so thank you for your help again in 2018, mate. We look forward to doing it again next year. My pleasure. Looking forward to a big year of Supercross in uh, 2019. Good on you. Steve Munro joining us here on The Grid. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. So there you have it, another season of On The Grid wrapped up and locked in the can. Our first year is a full podcast, actually. We hope you enjoyed it, and we thank everyone who supported us throughout 2018. We'll be back around about the middle of January for our first podcast of 2019 as we start to get ready for what promises to be an amazing year of racing in 2019, all kicking off with the Bathurst 12-hour at the start of Feb. Thanks again for 2018. We'll talk to you again soon. And make sure you keep tuning into all our podcasts right here on mypodcasthouse.com.